Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Yes You Can podcast. I'm your host, Troy Hoyt. And I'm your host, Ryan, co-host Ryan Hoyt. And this is the first episode of the Yes You Can podcast. Today, we have two very special guests, the heart and soul of Team Hoyt, Rick Hoyt, and our uncle, the man behind the scenes, the president and CEO of the Hoyt Foundation, Russ Hoyt, our father. We have a few questions for Rick and Russ, but before we get into the questions, Russ is going to give us a little bit of history about Rick. Hey guys, thanks for having Rick and I today. So, the history of Rick is that he is the oldest son of Dick and Judy Hoyt, oldest of three brothers. There's Rick, the oldest, Rob Middle, and myself. Rick was born with cerebral palsy. Uh, the way that happened is when he was in the process of being born, the umbilical cord got wrapped around his neck, which caused a lack of oxygen for a short period. That lack of oxygen damaged a part of Rick's brain called the cerebellum. When the cerebellum is damaged, it affects the motor functions of a person. So, for example, Rick is unable to move his hands or feet or control his tongue, so he cannot walk, talk, or feed himself. He needs help with every aspect of his daily routine. Rick also needs help to communicate because the tongue is a muscle and he can't talk. So one of the things that is actually pretty cool about someone who can't talk is that Rick graduated from Boston University. Rick has run an amazing amount of races and we're going to talk a lot about that in this podcast and I think Rick's going to give you guys some pretty cool insight into that aspect of his life as well. Rick relies on others to be able to get up out of bed in the morning, get in his wheelchair, be plugged into his computer so that he can communicate. He has a computer that now has a voice where he can type in his message and that voice will actually present his answers and you're going to hear that during today's podcast. So I think that's a pretty good idea of what you're going to hear coming up next and I'll let Rick take it away. Hey Rick, how's it going? We just got a few questions for you now. So basically, Rick can type with his computer, which is controlled by a head switch. So we're just going to be asking him a few questions. So first off, how did you get this all started? Like what got you guys into running? Hi Troy, I was in the sixth grade in Westfield, Mass. When my physical education teacher asked me to ask my dad, your granda, to run with me in a five-mile road race. Troy, dad and I ran in two Boston marathons unofficially. Because we had not run in the marathon, I was 18 and 19 when we ran in two unofficial Boston marathons. So, dad asked Will Clooney why we could not be official in the Boston marathon. Will told dad that we had to run another marathon in under two hours and 50 minutes because we had to qualify at my age. In November of 1980, Dad and I went to Washington, D.C. We ran in the Marine Corps Marathon. Our official time was 2 hours and 42 minutes. When Dad got our official time from the Marine Corps Marathon, Dad mailed our official time to Will Clooney. We were official for the rest of our Boston marathons. It's just crazy to think the fact that this was all started by your gym teacher asking Granda to push you in a race for the paralyzed athlete and just now what it has turned into forming Team Hoyt 
You guys are now running in marathons. You had to qualify for Boston. You guys qualified, and then you were official ever since. That's just, it's crazy to think about that it all started just from your gym teacher saying, hey, you should ask your father to push you in this race to support this paralyzed athlete, which is a great cause. And now I'd say, why don't you share some of your marathon memories and tell us three of your best memories from the Boston Marathon. Troy, I have three memories of the Boston Marathon. My first memory is, for 10 years, when the men's and women's leaders of the marathon passed dead and myself, I could not tell who had the loudest cheers, the pros or us. My second memory is, in 1993, the marathon was six weeks before my graduation from the School of Education at Boston University. Every Boston television station did a story on my graduation. On the day of the marathon, the crowds had homemade signs, which said this, Congratulations on your graduation from B.U. Or they yelled, Congratulations. As, Dad and I ran by. My third memory is, in 2014, Dad's and my last Boston Marathon, I think, it was our fifth year of having a charity team for the Boston Marathon. Anyway, Dad and I were at mile 25. When our whole team reached Dad and myself, our whole charity team finished with Dad and myself. Now the 2014 memory, I that is a strong one that I remember. After you guys said 2013 was going to be your last one, but unfortunately the bombings happened, so you guys decided to come back, do the marathon in 2014, and really just convey your message of yes you can. So basically, my last question for you is... Why did you want to run the marathon? Like, what made you want to say, hey, I am going to keep doing Boston every year? Troy, my reason for running in Boston Marathon was to show people to set big goals for themselves. Do not give up until they reach their goals. Troy, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on. That's a... Uh really powerful message and uh you guys really are just conveying the message of yes you can you can do anything you want as long as you put your mind to it you can do it and uh now i'm gonna hand it over to ryan and he's gonna ask our father the president and ceo of the hoyt foundation a few questions about uh how it's been growing up being a part of team hoyt his whole life and ceo we'd like to ask you a few questions as well the first one is, how did you come up with a system to communicate with your brother, Rick? So when we were young, I was about seven. Um, Rick was 12, going on 13. Um, he was able to communicate only by shaking his head yes or no to questions that we asked him. So basically, we would say, Rick, do you want a drink? And he could say yes or no. Rick, do you want to watch TV? And he could say yes or no. So we always had to just ask questions, and he was limited to be able to speak to us only by the questions we asked him. So he really couldn't give us a clear message himself. So at the age I was at, I was really starting to learn about the alphabet and spelling and starting to play with language a little bit. And so we started to say, okay, we've got to figure out a way to allow Rick to tell us what he wants to say. And we first started by breaking the alphabet in half. And we would say, is it before M or after M? And then we would go, 
Is it A, B, C? So you'd go all the way through those letters and it was really, really slow. And as we played with it, we realized, oh, we can break this up by using the vowels. So it became what we call the spell method. Some people actually still refer to it as the Russ method, but the most common way it's known as the spell method. And what we would do is if Rick wanted to say um, the word cat, we would say, hey, Rick, is it after A? And he would say yes. And I would say, is it A itself? No. B? No. C? Yes. He would shake his head. Then I would say, is it A section? He would shake his head. Yes. Is it A itself? He would say yes. So we would have C A. And then I would say, hey, Rick, what's the next letter? Is it after A? No. After E? Nope. After I? Nope. After O? He would shake his head. Yes. And I would say, is it O itself? And he would say no. And I would say P, Q, R, S, and then T. He would shake his head. Yes. And now he spelled the word cat. Um, I don't know why I used that example. We never had a cat. We did have a dog named Boo Boo, but we never had a cat. Um, but Rick now could actually start to say what he wanted to say and not just answer a question so if we would you know have the tv on and he didn't like the show he could spell change the channel um he could say you know we say do you want a drink and if we got him apple juice he could say no i want a glass of coke so it, it was really cool that now all of a sudden rick actually had his own voice and he could start to give us the messages that he wanted us to hear and he could say what he wanted to say Thank you. Um, now for the next question, uh, what was your favorite memory of Rick running? So my favorite memory of, of Rick running is actually at the finish line of the Hawaiian Ironman Championship in 1989. Uh, my father and Rick first attempted to complete the Ironman in 1988, but they weren't able to complete the swim. Um, my dad actually drank a lot of Gatorade and got stomach cramps on the swim and wasn't able to finish the swim. So the next year, they came back, they finished the swim, which is a 2.4 mile open ocean swim, then completed a 112 mile bike through the lava fields on the Big Island of Hawaii in 112 degree heat, and then they completed a full marathon. Uh, 26.2 and standing at the finish line of the Ironman championships and looking out and seeing that the crowd was just as big as when the champions had finished and completed the race um, close to it was like almost 10 hours earlier really? so 10 hours later there's still four rows deep of people watching and seeing Rick come across that finish line arms stretched out looking like a bird coming across the finish line and his his nickname for himself and his favorite song was free bird yeah. so it was if that song had been playing at that moment it, it would have been perfect but just watching him come across with his arms outstretched and the look on his face you could see how much effort he put in being in that chair letting his body suffer through you know the heat and and he has these um, spasms because of his cerebral palsy which makes his body twist and fight against him and he went through all that pain to get through that race and to just watch the sheer look of joy on his face when he came across that finish line is probably my favorite moment um, there are several finishes of the Boston Marathon itself which is Rick's favorite race that I can also say um, stand out in my memory the um, very first time that they ever finished the race um, you know just seeing the the smile on Rick's face at, at that accomplishment and then 
I know he tells the story about the year that he graduated and when he finished. Um, just the the pride on his face that, yes, I'm a college graduate and I have finished the Boston Marathon all in the same year is was really cool. Oh, that's really awesome. Um, and then uh, how do you feel actually when you see Rick running? It, it, it gives me great pride to watch him. Uh, Rick was as the oldest of, of three boys, always the greatest cheerleader for both Rob and I. Rob was an incredibly talented swimmer in high school, and Rick would be at all of his swimming meets um, in his wheelchair by the side of the pool, watching Rick swim, almost leaping out of his chair to get into the pool to try and show him <laughs> how excited he was that he finished. Um, I was a wrestler in high school, and Rick would come to all of my matches, and so he was always there cheering us on and supporting us. So to actually be able to go to a sporting event where I could support Rick and show him my pride in his accomplishment and being yelling and screaming his name and watching him, you know, come through the finish lines, just, just being able to give back to him and support his athletic accomplishments the way that he did for me was, it was one of the coolest things that I was able to do growing up. Oh, that's awesome. You guys, are, you guys all have quite the athletic backgrounds. It's crazy. Um, and then what has your role actually been for Rick, like for his running over the years? So it started off, as I was just saying, as, as being Rick's cheerleader, being there to support him in his races. Um, as they started to move from just road races to triathlons, I was actually in the, the pits helping them transfer from out of the boat and into the bike, holding the bike. Some my dad, when he carried Rick from the end, if you think about it, uh, doing a triathlon, other athletes get out of the water, run to their bike. My dad had to pull the boat, <laughs> take the vest off that he used to tow the boat, pick Rick up and carry him from the boat to the bike. And this was not a bike you throw a kickstand on and it's waiting for you. We actually yeah. had to hold the bike so that my dad could put Rick um, into the, the the bike. And then when dad would get ready to run, being able to make sure we got some food into Rick. So giving him something quick to eat and a drink. Those were part of my role. And then I went, so I went from cheerleader to, to part of the pit crew. <laughs> to eventually actually helping them plan and run some of their incredible ventures. In 1991, Dad and Rick ran and biked across the United States. They started in Santa Monica, California, and for 47 consecutive days, they ran and biked across the country. And my role was I went along as the general manager on the track. So I had to book the hotel rooms where we would stay at night. I had to call ahead to um, different media outlets to see if we could get people to come out from newspapers and TV stations to cover the event and make sure that you know we had um, whatever we needed for lunch breaks and food and making sure that they were fueled up um, during the race and then having you know food for dinner um, mm. each night so that they could then get their rest and be ready to go the what next day. What was actually day. your favorite memory from the trek across the the United States? My f absolute favorite memory from there is when we arrived in Washington, D.C. Um, when we got to Washington, D.C., my dad had been um, biking with Rick for, I think we were right around 40 days at that point, maybe a little under 40 days. And we pulled up to the Lincoln Memorial. And yeah. I went over and grabbed Rick out of the bike and carried him up the stairs yeah. of the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah, there's actually a picture of it. And it was just so cool. So then we looked at the Lincoln Memorial, and then I turned Rick, and we looked out. And just looking at Washington, D.C. from that vantage point, 
was just, you know, you become overcome with emotions because it was such a powerful and, and cool moment. Um, and then the really funny part of that story is someone watched me carry Rick all the way up the stairs. <laughs> and then the guy goes, you guys do know there's an elevator on the backside. But, you know, that uh, was, <laughs> well, of course, that, I carried him back know. down the stairs. But, you know, it was it was it was pretty cool. It was fun. How long did that take all the the, the entire duration of the trek? It was, so it was it was 47 um, consecutive days to get from um, California all the way back to Boston. And pretty cool. We got to do a lap around Fenway Park and actually um, be at a Red Sox game, um, you know, as a part, as of, part like of that track. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was an amazing moment. Um, Roger Clemens was still pitching for the Red Sox <laughs> at the time. And my brother Rob's oldest son, Jamie, was um, less than a year old. And Roger Clemens actually held oh, wow. uh, Jamie. Um, so that was that was actually a pretty cool moment for the family, too. Nice. Um, and now uh, what's next for the Hoyt Foundation like going forward? So um, just to sort of finish up my role with, with the Hoyt Foundation, mm-hmm. um, actually started as the trek ended. In 1989, when the trek ended, we established the Hoyt Foundation, which is a charitable organization that gives money to families to help them have an individual with a disability in their community to be included. Uh, we also give money to programs or agencies that support inclusion. So there's some local agencies. One is called uh, Venture Community Services. One is called Center of Hope. And when I say local, we live in Sturbridge, Massachusetts. Both of those Mm -hmm. agencies are ones in Sturbridge and ones in Southbridge, and they help individuals um, with disabilities to be included. Mm -hmm. We also um, give money to Children's Hospital, specifically the Augmentative Communication uh, System program, because they're the ones that helped Rick develop the computers that he currently has that he's able to communicate with. And then we also work with Easter Seals of Massachusetts, um, which is an agency that my mom worked for years and years ago, and my dad's been a big fan of, and they support individuals with disabilities. In 2006, um, I actually became the vice president of the Hoyt Foundation, and in 2021, I became the president and CEO of the Hoyt Foundation. So. I now work with Rick and with our um, board of directors mm. to make sure that we continue to provide support for um, individuals with disabilities to be included, basically doing the same thing for other families that our parents did for Rick. Yeah. And now every time you call us, you say, that's Mr. President to you, not, oh, hey, what's up, Dad? That's right. And I expect you guys to play hail to the chief when I walk into the room, too. So. <laughs> Um, And now we're a part of the foundation itself and able to participate in all these road races and events that just help out the foundation and kind of keep what our grandfather and uncle started, just keep it going. And I'm actually amazed that the two of you, you're you're both running in the Boston Marathon as, as leaders of the Team Hoyt charity team to raise additional funds so that we can expand the work that we're doing. And in fact, the, the next stage for what's gonna happen with the Hoyt Foundation is that we're launching the Dick and Judy Hoyt Inclusion Grant, which is specifically going to help families that have an individual with a disability to be able to do something that they're passionate about right alongside their non-disabled peers. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys actually for sharing all that today. And uh, the next time we have Rick, Russ, and their brother Rob on the podcast, 
Um, we'll talk about how the three of them and we're going to talk about the three of them include their brother Rob and talk about their parents, our grandparents, uh, Dick and Judy Hoyt. We will talk about the dynamic couple and how they influenced Rick, Rob and Russ and their impact on the world. Thank you. I'm your host, Troy. And I'm your host, Ryan. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And as always, remember, yes, yes you, you can. can.